0: Well, please turn with me in our Bibles this morning uh, to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, and we're reading on page 842. This morning we're looking at verses 1 uh, to 23. Originally I was planning just to do uh, verses 1 to 13, and you can kind of see a a certain transition in in these verses between uh, talking about the authority and to talking about this idea of purity or of being clean. But as we read through it together, I think you can see the magnets that pull them back together, that as we think about the one, we naturally start to think about the other. And so we're going to look at uh, both of these sections together this morning. but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Many people have been highlighting how we're at the two year anniversary of this pandemic. And as you think back over the last two years, there has been a constant message about washing your hands. That one of the best things we can do to prevent the spread of a virus is to be making sure that our hands are clean. And this morning, we are coming to another one of the controversies in Jesus's ministry. And it is a controversy around the washing of hands. Uh, But it's not a washing of the hands because of a pandemic, but rather a very different situation altogether. But as Mark has been uh, talking about the life of Jesus, he's been highlighting how again and again, Jesus's ministry has brought up all sorts of contentions and controversies and that is true even here in mark 7 you notice in verse 1 it says when the pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from jerusalem they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled that is unwashed this isn't the first time that we have been introduced to scribes in mark's gospel you remember back in Mark chapter 3, we were introduced to these scribes. And a scribe was simply a religious authority. They were considered to be the experts in the law of Moses. And they were experts in terms of knowing the regulations about how to govern one's life. And so the fact that we have these scribes coming is a signal that there's a growing concern with Jesus. You remember in Mark 3 that it was the scribes from Jerusalem who were showing that they weren't neutral with respect to Jesus because they were claiming, they were alleging that Jesus was demon-possessed. They were wanting to cast a negative view on the way that people looked at Jesus and at the works that he was performing. And now we're being told that the scribes are coming from Jerusalem again uh, to confront Jesus. Now, if you remember, uh, last time that we found Jesus, he was in the region of Gennesaret. Uh, You see that at the end of chapter six. And it tells us that he was going around the village and the cities, uh, continuing his ministry of healing. And as he was doing that, uh, many people were coming to Jesus. But if you stop and think that if Jesus is anywhere near that region of Gennesaret, uh, in the surrounding area, if that's where he is still ministering, these scribes that are coming from Jerusalem up to Gennesaret are traveling over 100 kilometers ...to meet Jesus, which really underscores that there is a serious concern with Jesus. They're not just simply coming to be informed about Jesus, but rather they are really wanting to bring an end to his ministry. And that really helps us understand that when they come to Jesus with the question they do, it's not to be informed. They're not asking Jesus, can you explain why you do these things? But rather they are trying to accuse and to bring down Jesus in terms of what he's actually doing. And so this morning, as we're thinking about this controversy about uh, having clean hands, we want to see that Jesus is ultimately teaching us that our real problem lies within, that ultimately we need to be cleansed from the inside out. And we want to think about these verses, verses 1 to 23, in two thoughts. We want to think about unclean hands, and then secondly, about unclean hearts. First, then, we want to think about this issue of unclean hands. Again, in verse 2, they saw that some of Jesus' disciples did not wash their hands before they took bread. And so the Pharisees uh, themselves come to Jesus with this uh, accusation. You young people, you probably have had your mom or your dad tell you often over time to make sure you go wash your hands. Maybe your mom or your dad says, it's lunchtime, go wash up. Uh, and there's a reason why your parents do that. Because eating with uh, defiled hands or with hands that are unwashed, if you're touching food, you don't know what your hands have been touching and you might make yourself sick as a result. And so there's good wisdom in your parents saying, make sure you wash up. It's a way of staying healthy. And it's a way of, uh, uh, of uh, taking care of others as well. Uh, uh, in the process as, as you're coming in contact with food. But it would be easy for us to come to this passage and to think, well, these religious scribes, it seems like they're just concerned about good etiquette. They're just concerned about making sure everyone stays healthy. They're just wanting people to wash their hands because that's good manners. But that's really not what is going on here. They're not concerned about public health or about making sure no one gets sick. Rather, as you read on, you realize that this has a religious connotation to it. Because it's all because of the custom of the tradition of the elders. And you see that in verses 3 and 4. It tells us that the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash Uh, And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. The tradition of the elders refers to the oral tradition of passing down the teachings of the religious teachers. And what had happened is, is that the teaching of these religious teachers was governing the way that people lived their lives. And it took on a greater and greater authority so that what the oral tradition said become the focus of how people live their lives. And it, it crowded out what the word of God said. The center of gravity really shifted towards what the tradition was saying and the word of God was being eclipsed in the process. The oral tradition then was something that was passed down from generation to generation. And eventually it was all compiled. It was written down in the third century. So a time period after Jesus. And it's called the Mishnah. And you can look at the Mishnah. And if you do, you'll find that about a quarter of all the Mishnah, all the religious traditions uh, that were handed down from generation to generation, center on this idea of purity and of cleansing. That's important because it tells us how important they held this to. How does a person govern their life? What is to be the focus of how they seek to uh, live out their life and govern their life? And what the religious tradition or what the religious teachers were telling people is, is that to be Uh, right in God's sight you have to make sure that you are going through these washings you are going through these uh, rituals to ensure that you are pure before God now it's important as well that we bear in mind that the Old Testament law of God did not command a person to engage in a washing ceremony before they took bread what the law of God did command was that if a priest Before a priest went into the holy place, before a priest offered sacrifice, as the priest entered into the holy place, they had to first wash their hands. It was the priest that was going through this washing ceremony. But it seems that principle was then taken and applied collectively to the people as a community. Why? Well, perhaps because the people of God were finding themselves in a world that they saw to be unclean. And so if a person is engaging with Gentiles and they don't know how Gentiles live and they don't know whether they observe their laws, then an Israelite would have to come to the conclusion or that was what they said, they'd have to conclude that they had been defiled and to associate with them would make you defiled. And so you have to make sure that you go through these washings if you're going to maintain your purity. You have to go through this constant process of washings Or the word is even of baptisms in order to make sure you're clean before God. And so when they went to the marketplace, if they're buying food, if they're buying items, they don't know where that cup has been. They don't know where that Gentile has been or if they're honoring God's laws. And so they come home and they have to wash in order to separate themselves from the uncleanness around them. And this is why they were going through this constant practice of washings. And so this uh, question that is being posed to Jesus, why is it that some of your disciples don't wash according to the tradition of the elders? It's really an issue about the center of gravity. They're coming to Jesus saying, you're not following the authority of our traditions. And Jesus here is going to respond to them by appealing to the authority of God. And so it it is really a matter of what takes precedence, what is authoritative in the way that we live our lives. J.C. Ryle, the Bishop of the Church of England of a a previous century says, he warns that the uh, people of Israel should serve as a warning to the church never to treat lightly false doctrine based on the tradition of men. He writes the following, if we once tolerate it, we never know how far we may go or into what degraded state of religion we may at last fall. Once we leave the king's highway of truth, we may end up washing pots and cups like the Pharisees and the scribes. This is where it led them. Because their rule of authority, they were being based on what the tradition of men was. And what those traditions were saying is is that you have to push it more and more about how to stay clean, And ultimately, they were in this endless game of washings in order to say, but I'm pure, I'm clean, and this is how I know it. And Ryle is saying we need to be aware of the danger of where the traditions of men will take us. Rather, we need to be aware of how easy the word of God can be eclipsed. And instead, we're listening to what uh, uh, oral traditions would have us do. So it's a question about unclean hands. Uh, It's not a public health measure. It's not about uh, being clean or uh, uh, preventing disease. This is really about what makes a person clean before God. And these uh, religious authorities are saying it's on the basis of their traditions that one can be clean before God. But Jesus, in response to them, he uh, challenges them uh, to see the uncleanness of their own heart. You see that in verse 6. Jesus says, well, uh, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? What's a hypocrite? The word hypocrite here is taken from the realm of the theater. It is talking about a person who plays the part of an actor. In other words, it's someone who is pretending to be something that they genuinely aren't. And that's what an actor does. An actor is playing a part. They may be a doctor. They may be a pilot. They are, they are playing a role. But they don't really know anything about flying a plane. They don't really know how to, to do surgery. But they, they present themselves that way in the story of a play. And that's, uh, here is the accusation that Jesus is bringing against uh, these religious authorities. He calls them hypocrites. <coughs> and he appeals to the prophecy of Isaiah which is what we read in Isaiah 29. And in Isaiah, the problem was is that the people were paying lip service to God. They were offering sacrifices to God. In fact, if you go to the beginning of Isaiah, it tells us that God says, you have brought a multitude of sacrifices to me. And I don't care. All the multitude of your sacrifices are not pleasing to me. Your prayers, I'm not listening to. Why? Because it was not from the heart. There was a disconnect in the people of Israel in the way that they were worshiping. They were going through all the forms. But it did not come from a heart of devotion to God. And it did not lead itself in obedience to God. Instead, the people of Israel kept living the way they were going to live. Irrespective of what the word of God said. And so Isaiah said, This people honors me with their lips outwardly, but inwardly there's some disconnect. It's not real. It's not, it's not a, a heart of transformation, a heart de- devoted unto God. And so Jesus sees the same thing in these scribes here. They are worshiping God, but they're not worshiping God according to the truth. And their worship is not directed uh, to the, the, the honor and glory of God as a result. Worship then goes beyond something that we do with our lips. Sometimes we get into the the habit of talking about uh, only an aspect of worship. Well, now we're going to worship God. But worship goes beyond just what is going on with our lips. It is something that begins in the heart, as Jesus is saying. But it does overflow in the way one lives one's life. Biblical worship, or authentic worship then is regulated by god's commandments it has to be shaped by god's will or it's not true biblical worship we need to be aware of that that we are being led by what god has said and not simply by what we would like notice there in verses 8 through 10 that jesus says three times that their problem is is they have departed from the word of god in order to establish their traditions, the word of men. There's a problem. You have exchanged what God says he wants with what you will do yourselves. Because you're not really under God's authority. You're still doing what you want to do yourselves. And so Jesus here he's really confronting them about the problem in their own lives, an unclean heart. Why are they hypocrites? Because they're not really devoted to God from their heart. How can you say that? Notice Jesus doesn't just throw out an accusation and carry on. He actually proves the accusation that he's saying. He appeals to the law of God and to the practices that they were doing. In verses 9 through 13, Jesus goes on to explain that they were breaking God's commandments. He says one of the clearest commands that we have in scripture is the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that the days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That is extremely clear. And so is the penalty for reviling one's father or mother. To, to uh, uh, disparage or to, uh, to go against one's parents under the Old Testament economy was punished by death. And the reason for that is because of the severity of the offense that nothing is more of a threat to society than an attack on the most basic unit of society. Just as in previous centuries, people looked at treason as something as a capital punishment because you were attacking the leadership of the society. An attack on one's government was looked at as a a high offense. And in in the same way, one attacking one's own parents was looked at as a high offense. Because it is undermining the very fabric of what pulls people together for human flourishing. And so when you look at the law of God, it was very clear. We are to honor our father and our mother. And then Jesus says, but by your traditions, you've actually emptied that commandment of all meaning. You've made it void. It's become meaningless. Because now, by your system of corbin, people don't even honor their parents. What was Corban? Corban is just a word that means a gift or an offering. In the Old Testament, people would offer up a gift or an offering to God. They would dedicate something to God. But once a person made that dedication to God, they were to to give it up. It was now the Lord's. That was what the gift is. But what was happening here is is that people had this system of Corban where it would be like a deferred gift, like a will. It would be dedicated or reserved for the purposes of God while they would be able to retain its use themselves. So whether it's their property or their house or their assets, their their money, they, they still held on to it and they still used it. But it was dedicated to God. And so it couldn't be used for any other purpose. They couldn't use those assets to help even their parents. And so what it ultimately was doing was it was not so much positively giving something up as it was negatively excluding it from certain other uses in other words it actually in practice became a sneaky way of getting around one's responsibility of caring for your parents well i can't use that because that's dedicated to god i've already dedicated it to the temple and so it can't be used to help my parents now in their aging and their in their illness or in their weakness I guess, I guess they just can't be helped. And you see what Jesus is saying. The law was very clear. Your responsibility is to care for your parents. It is to honor your father and your mother. But by your traditions, you just went around the whole purpose of the law to avoid having to comply with it. And why is that? Because our hearts are twisted. Because at the end of the day, people are going to want to do what they want to do. And they don't want to come under the authority of God. And that's true of the human heart. That we are self-focused and bent on serving ourselves and not honoring God. We don't honor his commandments because we place more authority on what we want than on what God says. So Jesus here starts by saying, you guys are hypocrites. You say that you're worshiping God and you see it outwardly, but inwardly there's something terribly different. How do you see that, Jesus? Well, look at your practice of how you disregard your parents. You don't actually care for them. You circumvent the law of God by establishing this tradition of deferred gifts in order to look religious, but ultimately it is to avoid what the law says. And Jesus says you do many other things just like this, So he shows them that they they have a defiled heart. He he demonstrates it from Scripture, but then he also goes on to explain the source of that defilement. In verses fourteen and following, Jesus goes on to explain that the problem is not one of unclean hands. Our issue in this world is not trying to avoid the defilement around us, as though if we just try hard enough we can stay clean. That I can stay pure. Jesus is highlighting that really the challenge or the problem is, is that defilement is within us, that it comes from within the heart and that it proceeds outward in our life. The real problem then is an unclean heart. It's not what goes into the body, but what comes out of the heart that shows that we are unclean. Jesus says there in verses 20 and 21, For from within, out of the heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. These are the things that we do. And notice that Jesus is here is not just mentioning acts, sexual immorality, but even going further than that and saying thoughts, envy, pride foolishness. These things manifest something of the corruption of our heart as well. And so Jesus is really stressing the problem of our our own condition. When we're young, when we do something that's wrong, our parents would confront us and say, why did you do that? Why did you kick your sister? Why did you lie about what you did on the test? Why did you uh, steal from your friend? And we're being confronted about some act that we have done. And it's not just that I did something. But why did I do it? We're being challenged to realize that the problem is not just that I did this act. But there was a motive behind it. There was a desire that is wrong within us. And Jesus here is pressing that out. It's not just the outward act, but the inward root of it that needs to be addressed. Just like if we turned on the water faucet and we see dirty water coming out, we wouldn't just grab our, our wash rag and start washing the outside of the faucet and think, well, that'll do it. theres It's the source that is bad. And it's because the source is bad that the dirty water comes out of the, of the faucet. It must be at the source that we fix if we're to get clean water. And so Jesus here is emphasizing the real problem uh, of the human condition. Our problem is, is that From the inside, we are defiled, we are unclean. Again, that's what David was saying. From my mother's birth, I have been sinful, such the nature I received. Sinful from my first beginning, in my mother's womb conceived. That we are born in sin. No one has to teach us to do wrong, we act according to our nature. And Jesus is saying, whether you look at sexual immorality, whether you look at envy, whether you look at pride, or whether you look at theft, you see defilement and uncleanness in lives and in our lives. And that is the real issue. The proof is in our experience, and one only has to look at one's own life to see uh, the evidence of uncleanness spill out. And stop and think about that. A skeptic might be reluctant to, to make any evaluation on the rightness or wrongness of behavior. Is it wrong to steal? Is it wrong to commit murder? Is it wrong to have sexual immorality? A skeptic might want to reserve any commentary on that because once you give an evaluation of rightness or wrongness, then one has to give an explanation as to why a person would do what is wrong. Whereas a moralist is going to say it's only the outward that really matters. It's only if you actually do the certain act that that's the only thing that really matters. But it's when we realize that the real issue goes beyond, the scope is wider. It involves both our act and our heart that we realize our true condition. But it's those who realize their true condition that are going to realize their need of help, that they recognize the problem, that they need to be made clean. So Jesus here is really turning the tables, isn't he? They're challenging him. Why don't your disciples follow our practices? We have this custom of washing to make sure that we're clean so that we are right before God and we're pure in his sight. And Jesus is saying, you guys have missed it because you're not following God's word. God's word teaches us that we're all defiled and that we need to be made clean. That's ultimately why Jesus came. Jesus came into this world not to follow the traditions of men, but he came to do the law of God that was written of him in the scroll of the book. Because Jesus was devoted to God's word, he fulfilled all righteousness. But then he also offered up his life as a sacrifice. And in doing that, the writer of Hebrews says, it is for the purifying of our consciences before God, so that we can be made clean. Jesus provides us with the cleansing of our guilt. And Jesus gives us his spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we ourselves might have a new nature, a new desire, a renovated heart that is devoted to God so that we would delight from the inside out in God's ways. Not perfectly, but there would be a real substantial change. And so Jesus here is really pressing us to think, how is it that we think we can be made clean? Is it by simply constantly washing? Or do we recognize that our need, our defilement, goes beyond the outward? It goes right down to the heart. So next time we're washing our hands, we can say, am I clean? But we can also ask ourselves, are we clean in God's sight? And that's only found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we think about these controversies that Jesus engaged with, that we would understand how they point us and explain to us uh, the purpose of his coming. We thank you that Christ uh, clarifies and corrects us in our distorted understanding, how easy we become caught up in the, the traditions of man. And we pray, Lord, that we would uh, be recentered on what you have said in the law of God. And we pray, Lord, that we would see in Christ one who can make us clean, one who can wash us from the inside out. So go before us, we pray.